This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Save Your Protection of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Volkbaum. And today we have an episode for you about cream liqueurs. Yes, yes. Drink responsibly as always. As always. Uh, yes. Uh, due to some holiday shenanigans, this is our my first recording of 2023. Our first recording together, at least. Yes. I'm, I am I don't think I've recorded anything yet. In 20- <laughs> I, it's been a long week. Um. Yes. True. <laughs> We're, we're we're figuring it out. Um, we are. No, I think this is the first time. Yeah. So so welcome. Um, yes. Uh, and this was low key meant to be like an end of the year episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think I I think it applies just as equally now. Yeah, we're we're in the season of, I would say, cream the course. Although I've recently found out. That's not true for everybody. They're kind of a year-round thing for for some people, but certainly the yeah. uh, the the branding agencies are pushing for them to yes, be a year-round thing. So they <laughs> really really are. Um, and yeah, speaking of, yep, not currently sponsors. Anything we're talking about, nope, could change in the future, but mm-hmm. um, not currently. Um, I know we talked about this before. I think one of the big names when people think of cream liqueurs is Bailey's. Um, yep. Which is, yeah, pretty much <laughs> makes sense. Uh, and I believe we've both discussed one of my first drinks when I was first started drinking in college was a White Russian. And one of the first like liquors, liqueurs I bought was Bailey's. Um, so it has a very specific time in my life, in my time frame, um, when I drink Bailey's. And uh, <laughs> I remember most of it fondly, not all of it. Most of it was a fond memory for me. Yeah, yeah. No, I I loved a I loved like a like a mudslide and right yeah. like a like a White Russian when I was that age. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, now that is stuff that I generally try to avoid. Um, mm-hmm. I would say that sweet 
cocktails are not not my shtick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I have it every now and then because as I've said several times on here, uh, a friend of ours and co-host of Stuff I Never Told You, Samantha, created this cocktail for me called the Cinnamon Roll. Oh, uh, right, right. And I don't think it's Bailey's actually. I think it's um, Kirkland's. I think it's the one you can get at like Costco. No sponsors again. Um, <laughs> but that's that's pretty much the only time I have it now. Yeah. Is in like a coffee or hot chocolate situation, which is already like if I'm doing something to my warm drinks, that's already kind of a rare occasion. Sure. sure. Yeah. But I do have it. It's not like <laughs> it hasn't gone extinct in my world, but it's pretty rare. I I have to admit that that even within this this general category, which is not really my bag, I really hate Irish cream. I mm. I really dislike it. I think it tastes terrible. I don't understand why anyone wants it. Um huh. uh other ones that I've had, I'm like, well, okay. But for some reason, just the flavor of of the whiskey and the flavor of of the cream with the sugar added, I'm like, why? <laughs> Well, we will talk about why a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Um, but it is funny. I have some friends who love it, who love it. Sure. Like that's their oh, thing. yeah. Um, and then I have been to South Africa a couple of times, and mm-hmm. they have a drink there similar that we're also going to talk about to Bailey's called Amarula. And it is so popular there that, like, when you're in the airport, they're handing out free samples of it. It is huh everywhere at least in my experience which admittedly i was a tourist there so who knows but like so it might be a specifically tourist thing right yeah but in those tourist spaces everywhere like you could not avoid it (laughs) oh wow Mm -hmm. okay all right yeah yeah no um uh pushing whatever local product i appreciate that yeah honestly we should come back and do an episode on them because i kind of briefly read over Amarula and what it is and the history of it. We're going to go over that very brief understanding I have of it. But it was pretty interesting. I would like to return. Heck yeah. Talk more about it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You can see our past episodes on things like eggnog and whiskey, I would say. Sure, sure. Generally our booze episodes. But Mm -hmm. yeah, um, uh, I guess this brings us to our question. I guess it does. Cream liqueurs. What are they? Well, uh, a cream liqueur is a type of alcoholic beverage that's made up of some kind of distilled alcohol, uh, plus some kind of either dairy or non-dairy cream, uh, plus a sweetener, and then maybe some other flavorings. So, like, there are a lot of iterations, but but basically you're looking at a sweet, rich, creamy, not-too-boozy type of booze, uh, like a little stronger than wine, but about half as strong as, like, a straight liquor. Um, they're, they're consumed, uh, they can, they can be consumed alone over ice or mixed into cocktails or shots or served with hot beverages like coffee, often after dinner or as part of a dessert course. Um, they're like, uh, they're like if those like flavored sweetened coffee creamers were alcoholic. Um, they're like a, like a melted alcoholic ice cream. Um, Mm -hmm. They're like if Willy Wonka made a cow and then got the cow drunk. (laughs) 
Excellent descriptions as always, Lauren. <laughs> yep. Spot on, I would say. <laughs> uh, um, you can make your own at home, but cream liqueurs are more traditionally, and this is an interesting sentence, are more traditionally a store-bought thing produced by major liquor brands, like using science. Um, uh, Bailey's, Amarula, um, Rum Chata are all a few examples. Uh, we will get into some of that in the history section. Again, not sponsors. Uh, the alcohol base can be Whatever you like drinking, um, whiskeys, rums, brandies, and neutral spirits are all popular because, because they either play up that, that creamy, rich flavor or, like, don't mess with it. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. uh, brands usually come in at about 17% alcohol by volume. Um, and these days there are also non-alcoholic cream liqueurs on the market. <laughs> oh, that's fascinating. Right? Mm -hmm. huh. Um <laughs> So that's the alcohol element. Uh, the cream element. Actual fresh dairy cream is the most traditional, but in manufacturing, it's often um, supplemented with more processed dairy products like milk powders and or with vegetable oils to help with the, the texture and stability of the final product. And these days there are uh, non-dairy alternatives made with like oat or nut milk or whatever. Yes, there are vegan alternatives in a lot of the newer articles I found were taste tests of the various oh, sure. vegan varieties. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, right, like plant-based is such a buzzword these days that I was like, do we really need to be calling our cream liqueurs plant-based anyway? That's <laughs> <laughs> but cool. Um, uh, the level of sweetness will really range in these products, but usually depends upon other flavorings. Um, because you can just have like the booze plus the sugar plus the cream, but brands and, and bartenders like playing with all sorts of uh, uh, like candy and dessert inspired combinations, um, uh, mint chocolate, salted caramel, s'mores, red velvet, pumpkin pie, strawberry shortcake, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned science above, and the production science of these products is really fascinating because, uh, okay, like like dairy and alcohol don't really like mixing for, for a number of, of chemical slash physical reasons. Um, so, so creating these products means tricking those ingredients into becoming a stable, smooth emulsion, all while treating them gently enough that you don't like cook the cream or evaporate out the alcohol. Uh, one of the big tricks in use here is homogenization. Um, we talked about this in our types of milk episode forever ago, but um, but okay. So so cream is an emulsion of uh, fats and stuff in uh, in water and stuff, right? Um, homogenization is breaking down the the naturally wonky sized globs of fats and stuff in the cream into into more even smaller globs that will therefore spread themselves more evenly throughout that watery base and there are really fancy machines for this um cream liqueurs tend to be homogenized to the point that the globs will be less than 2 microns in diameter Ooh. yeah 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 <laughs> Um, you're probably also adding some kind of emulsifier to like help prevent the globs from coming back together again because that leads to clumps and nobody wants a clumpy liqueur. Nah. Mm -mm. Or at least if they do, I have not met them. <laughs> That's true. There's usually an exception somewhere. You know, yeah, like what you like. Hey. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and and also speaking of science, 
yes, the alcohol in these products does make them shelf-stable, um, though you will, I mean, prolong a bottle's lifespan if you put it in the fridge after opening. Uh, research has indicated that, that yes, like I, I've read a number of papers about the microbiome of a cream liqueur, um, <laughs> uh-huh. and, and yeah, like alcohol content of like 14% or so will definitely prevent microbes from growing in these products. Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> what about the nutrition? Ah, uh, this is this is a treat. This is a this this is this is solidly on on the treat and I mean, you know, it's it's but but treats are nice. Treats are nice. Treats are nice. Treats and are nice. there are all kinds of like niche products within this category that are like lighter on the sugar or the fats. Mm-hmm. I all, all again scientifically fascinating. And so much of it is proprietary, so it was like kind yes. of hard to figure out. Like I read like a few patents and like a few scientific articles, but a lot of it seems to be just like trade secrets, which is fun. Yes, you know we love a good trade secret. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, and we do have some numbers for you. Sure. According to one report, sales of cream and non-cream liqueurs reached 1.3 billion pounds in 2019. Uh, pounds sterling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not like a pounds yeah. in weight. Yeah. Yes. Good clarification. <laughs> um, in January of 2020, Bailey's marked 2 billion bottles sold. Ooh. And Bailey's definitely has the largest market share in this category. Um each year, around 82 million bottles are sold across 160 countries. Yeah. They they use something like 220 million liters of fresh cream every year. Yeah. They have a bunch of numbers about, like, those kind of very specific numbers yeah. that make you wonder, why did you... <laughs> Okay. Why did you count this? <laughs> yes, but like, you know, every it's open, one is opened every whatever seconds. Or, there's a lot. If you want to read some numbers about how popular Bailey's is, they've got the numbers for you. Yeah, yeah, because they, they really are the leader in the segment. Like as of 2017, they were selling about six times more cases than the next leading cream liqueur brand, which was Amarula. Um, and furthermore, they were at the top of the liqueur category overall, um, selling almost double the next leading liqueur brand being Malibu. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Uh, Also, according to an industry source who was absolutely biased because they were were kind of a brand marketer for a um, a smaller uh, production company, Uh uh, like a a bespoke, or not bespoke, like an artisan uh, (laughs) Irish Uh cream. Uh, But but they said that most things that are labeled Irish cream liqueurs contain mostly neutral grain spirits and less than 1% actual Irish whiskey. Oh. (laughs) Hmm. I definitely ran across some of these articles as well. Fascinating, fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but hey, I it depends on what you're going for and what you're looking for. Um, and right. Yeah. It, it tickles me that there are artisan <laughs> Irish cream yes. liqueurs out there at all. Yes. And it's a it's getting a lot of movement right now, which we are going to talk about in the history section. Yes. But first, we are going to get into a quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. 
So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Okay. Uh, so the early history of cream liqueurs wasn't well documented. Um, so the first iterations of it aren't very clear, though it is certainly related to something like eggnog. Um, again, that kind of episode. posset situation. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most who have looked into them, and people have looked into them, uh, believe that at least by the 13th century, Monks in Europe specifically were concocting flavored spirits primarily as medicine, and over time, cream was added into that mix. Um, And adding cream served a couple of purposes. One, it preserved the cream, the alcohol did, or that was the belief. Um, Two, it added flavor, richness, and thickness to whatever you were adding it into. Mm -hmm. But yeah, a huge benchmark jumping way ahead in the history of cream liqueurs took place in 1973 or 1974, depending, with the invention of Baileys. And what a tale it is. (laughs) What a tale it is. It's, yes. 
It is very fun. Um, according to an article from the Irish Post, Bailey's, which is a mixture of Irish whiskey and cream, but yes, proprietary, um, mm-hmm. was created by a division of a company called Gilby's in Essex. And the name comes from Bailey's Hotel in London or Bailey's Bistro, uh, some, some establishment in, in London. Uh, so the name on the bottle, which is R&A Bailey. They're made up dudes. They made up a whole story about them. They have a backstory <laughs> about being brothers who disliked each other but had to work together to make something or their father was going to cut them out <laughs> and not leave them his large estate. Oh. So they were arguing and arguing and arguing. And then I think they just started drinking. <laughs> they combined the the cream and the whiskey and started drinking it. And then we're like, oh, here we go. Okay. That's but but these are these are fictional dudes. These <laughs> yeah, are not. Okay. They're not real. <laughs> cool. Cool. They made it up. But because they, they, they thought it made it sound like. I don't know, more homey or more like, oh, there's this these guys behind it. There's, there's a whole a history here. It's not from 1973. It's from right. much earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. And the font also also helps sell yeah. that kind of huh. fiction. But um, also, I love this. The R and A comes from a golf tournament's governing body. <laughs> they just saw it. And we're like, what if they were R and A Bailey? Done. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> The creators were going for something whimsical and Anglo-Irish when they were trying to create this. Um, I think specifically they were trying to, due to subsidies and taxes, were trying to yeah. get something from Ireland. They were trying to make something from Ireland that felt very Irish, but it was, as all of these facts I'm giving you indicate, very Anglo-Irish. Um, they even put like this fake address on there, <laughs> on the label. <laughs> So you would think like it's coming from Ireland. Wow. Um, yeah. And they tested a few bottle designs to see if people would buy it. And it was something they were trying to create, quote, a uniquely Irish drink in part due to, yes, these subsidies. And since Ireland was known for some of the best whiskey and for some of the freshest cream, employees at Gilby's got to work finding a way to combine them. And the idea came very quick. Uh, it took some experimentation to get it right, but at first I was like, so a lot of experimentation. Not really. Uh, they did it pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, because it was within the span of like a year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they mixed together Jameson Irish whiskey, Irish cream, sugar, and Cadbury's drinking chocolate. Um which was like, the, I think the final edition was the drinking chocolate mm-hmm. that resulted in a drink that tasted stronger when it comes to alcohol content than it was. Um it was presented in 1973 to the Irish uh, division of this company, launched in 1974, and it was fairly successful within three to seven years, again, depending on what source you read. Um, first in the UK, then in Ireland. And there is somewhat of a legendary story about how a drink industry titan told the people trying to sell him on Bailey's um, that the bottle color reminded him of Vietnam uniforms, U.S. Vietnam uniforms, I think. Mm-hmm. And after tasting it said, that shit will never sell. <laughs> <laughs> so they were trying to sell it in the U.S. And this guy was like, nope. Still, Bailey's did launch in the U.S. in the 70s with the tagline, the impossible cream. Huh. Um, and it saw a lot of early popularity in Australia where bars would regularly sell out of it. And they, I think I read somewhere they even had signs that was like, they didn't even have to specify what they were out of. It was just like, we don't have it. We'll get it later. <laughs> <laughs> like you, wow. I would love if anybody from Australia remembers this and could write in about it. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Huh. Um, yes. Several people do take credit for inventing Bailey's as usual. Uh-huh. 
One is a fellow named David Gluckman. And, and, I, and I think that these were all people who were working together. Like, it's not like yes. a contested history like we get sometimes. But um, but yeah, uh, uh, David Gluckman is a product developer. Um, he actually published a book about his experience in the industry uh, back in 2017 called That Sh** Will Never Sell. Yes. And he also wrote an article called In 1973, I Invented a Girly Drink called Bailey's that was published in the Irish Times in 2017. Oh, it's it was beautiful. a good read. It's a thing of beauty. Yes. <laughs> it really is worth reading. Um, the article opens describing how this is often his, quote, fun fact at dinner parties that he invented Bailey's. Uh, and here's a quote. If one of the unfortunate listening group is a woman, and this is based on actual past experience, she is likely to respond something like this. Oh, my God. Bailey's. My mother absolutely adores it. <laughs> Did you hear that, Jagasta? This man invented Bailey's. It's unreal. I don't believe it. He must be terribly rich. Bailey's cream. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, he goes on to say, which I'll talk more about later, but he's not really rich from this. Um, he also described the testing phase of Bailey's with this quote I love. When the night of the focus group came, I looked nervously around the room. This was the male group. But then these were men who were prepared to turn up for a free drink and get paid for it. We showed them the bottle that we were so proud of and began pouring out the glasses. Among most groups of drinking men, there's always one who seems to dominate proceedings. You know who he is. He's the one who sits right in front of the interviewer and talks the loudest. It was vital for us to have him on our side, and I kept my eye on him for his reaction. He drank it down, and then the researcher asked him what he thought. He said, looking down at his schooner, and when I've had enough beer, I move to shots like scotch or vodka. Oh, dear. To make matters worse, <laughs> being a talker, he went on, it's a girl's drink, he said. Huh. There was an outbreak of nods and echoes of agreement among the other men. After this, what man was going to openly lay claim to liking a girl's drink? It was an absolute no-no. Huh. But when we looked at their glasses, every one of them had been drained. Hmm. It might not have been their kind of drink, but there was nothing wrong with the taste. <laughs> fascinating. Oh, fascinating. Um, but <laughs> the women's group wasn't that much more receptive to it. Um, but Gluckman had hope, regularly calling this bar that they left a few bottles at to see if anybody ordered it. They were just like, oh, did, today was the day somebody order it. And it would always be no. Huh. A good while passed before he got a yes. And the bartender told him that he gave three police officers this Bailey's and they, quote, demolished it. They demolished a bottle between them, giving him enough, Gluckman, enough confidence to finally present the bottle to the Irish partners that they were working with. Hmm. Uh, yeah. And yeah, like I said, he he jokes. I got the feeling it was in good spirits, but maybe not. Uh, <laughs> he was paid for about 3,000 pounds for this whole development process of Bailey's that he does not... He did not make a lot of money and does not continue to make money Right. From it. It's not like a residual situation where every time right. you buy a bottle of Bailey's, like, he gets tuppence. Like, that's not, yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah. Uh, another name that gets thrown around a lot when it comes to Bailey's is Tom Jago. Um, at the time of the development of Bailey's, he was the head of innovation and development at IDV, or International Distillers and Vintners. And he worked with Gluckman and others on this project. Um, and this was a division of Grand Metropolitan, which is now half of Diageo. We've talked about Diageo before uh, in mm -hmm. Guinness. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they are the other half. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and he was tasked with coming up with some new products and Bailey's was part of that. So it's interesting. Like you said, they don't like deny that they all worked together on it. Um, oh yeah. Just like the names that people will put first varies. I'll say. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I, the, the, the other element of the story, I meant to mention this earlier, um, uh, in, in addition to the tax breaks, um, in, in Ireland at the time, they were looking around and they were like, okay, what does Ireland have that we can use that's sort of like inexpensive? And there was an oversupply of cream there at that specific point in time. Um, mm-hmm. And so they were like, oh, yeah, that's like basically like a like a waste product. <laughs> <laughs> give it to us. Of the milk alcohol. industry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yes. Oh, so interesting. It is. It is. I, like I said, I do recommend that whole article. It was very funny. It was a very funny and fun read. Um, and several competitors did follow in the wake of Bailey's and, and Bailey's success. One that stood out to me researching this was the debut of Cadbury Cream Liqueurs in the 1990s, though it didn't last long. It sounds like it was popular in the UK. And then it just went away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'd say, well, I know that like like Godiva had their own line of of, of liqueurs uh, around the same time. But uh, but yeah. Yeah. Another popular one is uh, South Africa's Amarula. And that's made from the fruit of the elephant tree, as it's called, the Marula. This is, I really want to look into that because I did not know that. Since debuting in 1983, with cream added in 1989, Amarula is second to Bailey's, yeah, in terms of sales. And it is, yeah, a frequent souvenir for tourists. But I would love if someone else could write in about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Then in 1993, uh, Tequila Rose debuted. Um, That's a tequila plus strawberry flavoring plus cream um, and was a personal favorite of some friends of mine for a very long time. Um, Then Rum Chata came along in 2009. Um, It's a spin on horchata, you know, um, with uh, with rum and cinnamon and uh, uh, vanilla and cream. That's a late entry to to this whole game, though, because growth for these products plateaued in the 1990s and then started to decline. Uh, I've seen the like early 2000s, like maybe 2005 through 2015, referred to as the lost decade for cream liqueurs. Uh, and there are probably a, a bunch of like factors that that fed into that. Um, recessions leading to consumers cutting back on products seen as decadent, um, health trends steering away from sugary products, the, the perhaps overly serious craft cocktail movement. Yeah. Mm. For, mm-hmm. for a while, it was very unfashionable to order something <laughs> um, deemed... Uh, goofy or I don't know like like what's the what, what's the term I'm looking for here like I feel like there's kind of that the like sweetness it's like a um, immature drink almost it's like okay. what you get when you're in college <laughs> right right sure yeah but of course it doesn't have to be like that no yeah. no it is funny to me that I was the lost decade is when I was like give me that Bailey's <laughs> um, <laughs> I also was really big into Kahlua which I guess isn't a cream liqueur but that's Kahlua and Bailey's together could be a massive headache, but could be a lovely drink. Um, (laughs) And uh, speaking of the craft cocktail movement, cream liqueurs have experienced a resurgence lately, um, with mixologists getting more experimental with them in cocktails and with companies pushing for cocktails outside of the holiday season, as you said, Lauren, to make it more of a year-round thing. Of course, they would want that. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. There was a pina colada Bailey's drink I saw. Yep, yep. (laughs) Yep. 
Um, along with the rise of Instagrammable foods and drinks, I think also just in my own personal experience, especially as we're leaving the holiday season, I have seen just a real growth in like fancy, sweet holiday drinks. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I think that's part of it. Uh, and also, as you said, Lauren, there are now artisan cream liqueurs that have seen massive growth during this time. Yeah. Um, I mean, right. There was that whole uh, uh, alcoholic milkshake trend of what was that, like 2019 or so, like 2018, mm -hmm. 2019. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I guess, right, like like a return to an appreciation of these sort of after dinner cocktails that mm -hmm. that like for a while everyone was like was like, no, like I, I only want a Manhattan. I only want an old fashioned. Right. Um, uh, anything else is 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 ridiculous. And like, why would I <laughs> drink something fun? That's not what I'm here for. Um, <laughs> uh -huh. But no. And but but then people are going like, no, actually, that's tasty. Like a grasshopper is lovely. Like, let's mm -hmm. like like let's get into this and, you know, like like maybe do it in um, a slightly less syrupy, sweet kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that's a part of it, too, was, you know, the 90s oh, yeah. was the health movement of, like, a lot of people. That was their big focus. And we've talked about that before. And, you know, cream liqueurs, obviously, is not going to really fit into no. that. <laughs> um, so it's just interesting to see kind of the shifts of people's attitudes around, around this product. And we didn't even talk about, because while this was, like, a vague topic, it, there's also just some key competitors in the field. But like I said, you know, Samantha, my friend, she gets it. I'm pretty sure she gets it from Costco. So I think there's also just widespread availability of it. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, More options. More options, ultimately. <laughs> Uh, so, so yeah, I don't know if, uh, uh, if there's anything in here that, that, that y'all want to hear more about, let yes. us know if there's anything that you know more about, let us know. Yes. Yes, it has. Cause that's what we have to say for now mm -hmm. about cream liqueurs. Mm -hmm. We do have some listener mail for you though. And we're going to get into that as soon as we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, 
it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. back thank you sponsor yes thank you and we're back with listeners oh kind of a relaxing yeah way to uh, come down at the end of a meal or at the end of an episode your first episode of 2023 (laughs) sweet and gentle yeah 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 and we have some sweet and gentle listener mail for you yes yes um (laughs) starting with kelly kelly wrote After listening to your wonderful interview with Dr. Julia Skinner about how she uses fermentation as a strategy for combating food waste, I wanted to share a couple of tools our family uses in our quest to do the same. One of the most useful things we do is to keep a running list on this dry erase board on the fridge door, see attached photo, of the leftovers and perishables on hand. It helps us remember what we have and prioritize what to eat or cook with soonest. Sometimes it gives us ideas for turning leftovers into a completely new option. Case in point, the other day we had some leftover garlicky spinach that wasn't very appealing to just reheat, but it became part of the broccoli cheese soup that you see on there now. Another tool I've come to rely on is the website eatyourbooks.com. I don't know your policy on promoting products slash services like this, so please feel free to edit this email as you see fit. Like many food and cooking enthusiasts, I have a beloved cookbook library that contains lots of recipes I haven't gotten around to trying yet. EYB is an online cookbook indexing service where you can list the titles in your collection and create your own searchable recipe catalog so that if you're trying to figure out what to do with all of these fill-in-the-blank before they go bad, you can search by ingredient and find recipes within the books you already own. Or if you want to try making a particular dish, you can easily look up which of your cookbooks have a recipe for it and compare the ingredients. You can also configure the search to exclude ingredients, i.e. I want to find a vegetarian chili recipe but without mushrooms, etc. Note, EYB doesn't show you the actual recipes in detail. For that, you need to have the book on hand or have the recipe saved somewhere. But it's a really great tool for making better use of your cookbook collection. Anyone can join for free and get up to five books of their index. With a paid membership, you can get an unlimited number of books. My husband got me a membership last year as a gift, and it has been great. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Oh, what a good idea. Yeah, I'm so interested to try it. I love that. that I, I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, yeah, because I, I love, I have way too many cookbooks. Way yes. too many. 
Um, yes. And I and I do love like 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 weird vintage cookbooks, but in terms of actually cooking <laughs> with food mm-hmm. that I actually have and not as just a curiosity, oh, that's so useful. Yeah, yeah. And like I said in that the interview we did with Dr. Julia Skinner, I have there's so many things, especially because I'm a single person and some things you just can't buy in small quantities. Um, I was talking about tomato paste in that episode. Like, I would love if I could just be like, I have this and I need to use it. Yeah. Tell me <laughs> Where how. are my recipes? Where are my books? Huh. Um, but also, I was I had a, a minor breakdown in the middle of this listener mail because I, I have quite a saga, listeners, of um, <laughs> my refrigerator not working. Uh-huh. Um, so first the refrigerator was freezing everything. And then I got that fixed in heavy quotes. And now the freezer isn't working. Oh, oh, uh-huh. Um, so I I have had, like, to top off what, what I already do of being, like, very creative and I won't go to the grocery store that often and all of this stuff, now I have to be like, well, the freezer's not working. How am I going to use all of these ingredients oh, right wow. now? Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <sighs> I did. Um, <laughs> uh, is, is perhaps a better fix in the works it is okay. i honestly it's just been such a whole thing and then the holidays happened and oh, i did yeah. not need a whole thing on the holidays no sure sure so i was just like well uh, who needs a freezer um <laughs> I'll, get, I'll fix it later <laughs> uh, but i do i have it on my calendar next week okay to uh, attempt to see if it can be fixed but yeah it's a it's been a saga it's been a whole thing. Mm. Yeah, no, this has been going on for like two months, months now. Months, months. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, heck, um, I guess sort of, sort of speaking of, uh, Heidi wrote, I'm listening to the mac and cheese episode and 17 minutes in, Annie says that she's at the end of her grocery cycle. All she has left is chicken nuggets, lima beans, and I think mac and cheese. Uh, what is this grocery cycle? Do you have some magic by which you run out of everything important at the same time and then you go shopping only once a month or something like that? Or is it truly everything, not just perishables, uh, such that you never have to go through your fridge and throw out miscellaneous bottles that have been in there too long? What is this sorcery? And how do you do it? Planning. <laughs> planning. <laughs> Lots of planning. Mm-hmm. So the grocery cycle is every two weeks. Okay. Um, Was this pre-COVID or did this develop during COVID? It it got honed during COVID <laughs> to what I would call one of my greatest skills. But uh, it did exist before. I didn't like going to the grocery store in general. So I liked sure. to shorten my trips. But during COVID, it became, yeah, Two weeks, and it's hilarious to me because I have learned, especially with, like, fresh foods, how long you can push it, Yeah, uh, the expiration date. And I'll get texts, like a, a friend of ours, Lyle, texted me once out of the blue and was like, I cut this cabbage in half a week ago. How much longer does it have? Like, I, I've built a reputation. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. I would say, generally, I don't... I I eat primarily fresh stuff like you that you would get in kind of the produce section. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it kind of is it works itself out because that stuff is only going to last so long. I'm really good at gauging like I'll get four meals out of this, however however many. Mm-hmm. Um, with the refrigerator freezer situation, I've had to get even more creative. Uh, 
But like, I, I guess my point being, I don't, it's not like I have a bunch of condiments that I'm running out of all at the same time or anything like that. Those long lasting stuff, that, that, that's all in there. Yeah. Like it goes on for a while, but kind of like what I eat through a regular week. Um, it's usually fresh stuff. Uh, but yeah, it is, it's, it's a skill not to like yeah. toot my own horn, but it's, it's a whole, and I also like, I, uh, when my grocery list, which I always have, if I run out of anything, I add to it. I have it in the order of what, where you'll find it in the grocery uh-huh. store listed so I can get in, get out as quickly as possible. Uh-huh. Um, but See. it is, <laughs> it's a lot of work. <laughs> I find all of this so fascinating because. I usually fail to create a grocery list at all. Oh, my Um, gosh. My method of grocery shopping. And I feel like this really, this is like a prime example of the personality differences between you and me. (laughs) Um, My method of grocery shopping is to kind of show up at the grocery store and wander around until I find stuff that I think I can make a couple meals out of. Wow. based, Based on like what's on sale and like what looks interesting that day and like just what's available. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just kind of going from there and having like a few staples at home that I know that I can like throw into mm-hmm. the mix. So. Wow. <laughs> that, that to me actually sounds very lovely. And like, you probably create a lot more interesting things than I normally do, but it also sounds like the most stressful thing I can imagine. Oh no, I, yeah. I see. I can't, I, I find it stri- like, like your thing sounds stressful to me. <laughs> like meal planning. Are you kidding? Yes. Like I can't, I mean, I'm also like, I have a mental health state that some days I'm like a spoonful of peanut butter is what I'm eating for this meal. That is what's <laughs> happening today. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like I know myself and I, and I eat something fresh later, but, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah. But the idea, the idea of sitting down and meal planning for an entire two weeks um, makes me want to go hug my cat. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it is stressful. I, I think I do get it from my mom because my mom has like an index, like a recipe index thing where she'll oh. just like flip through and be like, this week we're going to have this and this week we're going to have this. Um, she goes to the grocery store like every day, though, so I can't live that life. Oh, but, wow. Huh. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And. Also, it's been fun hearing from you listeners because I have started to be like, oh, we're doing an episode on artichokes. I'm going to go ahead and buy artichokes. Uh, So the show has also impacted it, too. It's been... It's been fun. But I I think that's the closest I get to your method is I'll be like, oh, artichokes. That wasn't my recipe idea for this two weeks, but I need them now. So there's some, you know... (laughs) Sometimes the the list will change, but yeah. Sure, yeah. Ooh. Oh, and there's also the the podcast podcaster curveball of just like a sponsor yes. has sent us something. Yes, that is a huge curveball um, where you have to get creative with that. Definitely. I mean, it's a lovely uh, problem to have. But yeah. Holy oh. heck. Yeah. Yeah. But also for me, like I walk to the grocery store. So that is another oh. added wrinkle. <laughs> I have to be able to carry everything back. There's a lot that goes into this. I'm glad. Thank you, Heidi. For recognizing, <laughs> no, no, it is a form of magic. She is a sorcerer. That's what's happening here. <laughs> That's my skill. Yeah, grocery yeah. shopping quickly. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much to both of these listeners for writing in. Uh, if you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod, and we do hope to hear from you. 
Savor is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is home to a thriving culinary scene based on products and traditions from the native Taino, African, and Spanish peoples that have influenced it. When you go, there are a host of restaurants, bars, breweries, distilleries, farms, and coffee houses to dig into, from five-star experiences to local favorites. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.